Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Exploring the National Defense Authorization Act, sponsored by K2 Integrity. This week, I visit with Chip Ponce, who is the global co-head of the K2 Integrity Financial Crimes Risk Management Practice and a member of K2 Integrity's board. He co-founded the Financial Integrity Network in 2014, which merged with K2 Intelligence in 2019. The combined firm announced its new name, K2 Integrity, in November 2020. From 2002 to 2013, Chip served as the inaugural director of the Office of Strategic Policy for Terrorist Financing and Financial Crimes and a senior advisor at the U.S. Department of Treasury. Prior to K2 Integrity, Chip also served as HSBC's Interim Head of Financial Crimes Compliance for Mexico and the Latin American region, assisting in the development and implementation of an enterprise-wide financial crimes compliance program adherent to global standards. I'm also joined by Gail Fuller. Gail is a Managing Director at K2 Integrity. She leads the teams, providing advisory support to a wide variety of clients, including foreign governments, financial institutions, and fintech firms, helping them navigate the complex challenges relating to compliance with anti-money laundering, combating the financing of terrorism regulations, U.S. and international sanctions, and bribery and anti-corruption laws. Gail spent nearly eight years with the U.S. federal government focused on combating illicit finance. Over this five-part series, we will break down the changes to the Bank Secrecy Act and changes in enforcement to authority to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, which are found in the recently passed National Defense Authorization Act. Topics include breaking down the big picture, company formation reform, new opportunities under this new law, coming changes to corporate governance under the NDAA, and taking the long view of the new law. This is one of the most significant new laws around banks, bank secrecy in nearly 20 years. They will apply to financial institutions and a wide variety of others going forward. In this episode three, I'm joined by Gail Fuller to look at some of the new opportunities under this new law. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for part three in our five-part exploration of the National Defense Authorization Act, specifically the changes to the Bank Secrecy Act and expansion of FinCEN powers. And today I have with me Gail Fuller. Gail, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's great to be back. Gail, uh, I'm really excited to visit with you on the topic of uh, this new law, but how it becomes really, in my mind, a new opportunity. And so I wanted to maybe uh, ask, uh, start with, what are some of the benefits you see as entities change their systems to meet the expectations of this law and indeed to comply with it? Thanks, Tom. So I think that, you know, some of the biggest benefits that are going to be immediately evident coming out of this law are related to information sharing and collaboration. There are parts of the law that are targeted at addressing kind of longstanding points of pain for the industry related to information sharing. We could never dig into all of them during this conversation, but there's a couple that I did want to highlight. Um, We can think about these as challenges related to public-private information sharing and those challenges that are related to private-private information sharing, so between and among private sector entities. Um, On the public-to-private information sharing front, um, 
you know, one of the things that the bill does is make it easier to communicate with the government and make the government's outreach more proactive by staffing up FinCEN's liaison functions, uh, both domestically and internationally. I think they're adding at least six to each so that there's going to be more active exchange of information. And I know Chip has already mentioned this in a, a previous segment of your conversations about the NDAA, but another big area that I think is important is that the U.S. government is now going to have to be establishing and communicating to the private sector what its priorities are, what it identifies as the biggest threats and risks. And this is really critical to building that foundation of common understanding on which banks can base their risk-based approach. I mean, their expectation is that they have to have a risk-based approach and apply it. And this gives everyone kind of that common foundation from which to build. And, you know, I think that there's also an issue around FinCEN being required to periodically disclose to each financial institution the actual information on whether the SARS that they filed have been helpful. Uh, this is something that banks have been asking for forever, uh, really wanting feedback on, you know, not screaming into the void with all these suspicious activity reports that they're filing. Um, and so that's a huge win. And I think that's going to be a big boon for financial institutions actually getting that feedback and knowing what's been helpful, what hasn't been helpful. Gail, you mentioned private sector to private sector information sharing. What's happening in that space? Thank you for the reminder on that. That was the second area I was going to talk about for sure. Um, so on that front, there's a couple of different things that are important that are happening. Um, the first thing is that the bill establishes a pilot program in which covered financial institutions will be able to share information related to suspicious activity reports within their respective financial groups. So that means that for international financial groups, there can be more cross-border information sharing um, related to activity within the financial institution itself. And that's a really important thing. And it's a barrier that, that financial institutions have sort of struggled with and not been comfortable with in the past. Um, the second thing I would highlight on the private sector to private sector side is that the bill codifies as law a previous, you know, what was previously a, a joint supervisory guidance document um, about sharing compliance resources across private sector institutions. Um, a lot of smaller financial institutions don't really have the resources to set up their own really rigorous, large compliance shop. And so this previous guidance has said, you know, that there's the ability to share compliance resources. Um, but not a lot of banks have necessarily felt comfortable doing that because guidance is not law. And so this is still an important thing, even though we've heard the message before, to have it occurring in a law makes a big difference and provides sort of a real shot of confidence for those financial institutions that want to explore managed service or outsourced compliance models. Um, so those that are dipping their toes into the approach already should really have more confidence to pursue it at this point. Gail, many financial institutions have found it difficult to to balance innovation or attempts to innovate uh, with regulatory requirements. Does the NDAA speak to that or does it actually give some guidance that might help push this uh, this issue forward? Thanks, Tom. I, th I think the NDAA does do a lot to try to push this issue forward. And it is, as you said, kind of a thorny one. It's unfortunate that there has been this tension between innovation and regulatory compliance because we're talking about innovations that are trying to help us comply with regulations. Um, and yet that's still been challenging. Um, I was really heartened to see all the content in the NDA around this topic of innovation, because I think that this is really one of the key reasons we even need BSA modernization in the first place. Our current laws and regulations were written at a time where we couldn't envision the types of technologies that are really available today. 
And so right now we have a system that's reactive by design. We're always talking about following the money and filing reports largely after money has already transited the financial system. But now we have technologies that are available to us like artificial intelligence and machine learning that are going to allow us to take a more proactive, preventive approach to really protecting the financial sector. I know Chip talked about that as kind of a key reason for BSA reform, and I think innovation is really core to that issue. Um, you know, what in terms of what the NDA actually does to help with innovation is it solves a couple of the, or it helps try to solve a couple of the problems um, that have been plaguing financial institutions. One of those is feeling like they have a safe space to experiment with things and test out new ideas. And one of them is uh, feeling like they have a way to prove effectiveness. And the issue on proving effectiveness is, you know, if we're creating, we talk about it as, are we building a better mousetrap or are we creating a whole new different disruptive way to trap mice or solve the mouse problem? Um, and so I think it's easier when you're doing incremental innovations to say, well, we can prove effectiveness by comparing it to how the old system worked. We can say the old system worked this way. We've made incremental improvements so we can demonstrate incrementally that effectiveness. But when you're creating a totally new system or approach and shifting from the reactive to the preventive, it's really challenging to compare the two approaches and prove effectiveness in the same way. Um, so one of the things that the NDAA does to help get at that issue is it mandates an examination and review of whether and to what extent traditional AML model validation and model risk governance processes should even apply to AML CFT. And I think this is going to be really helpful for the innovation conversation. Um, the other thing it does, of course, is sort of convenes these forums with getting the right people in the right room in the room together to talk about innovation, which is also really important because there's a lot of stakeholders who have a lot riding on getting this right. Gail, you gave one of the greatest lines I have ever heard. Solve the mouse problem, not trap mice, not get them out of your house, solve the mouse problem. You may see that in a blog post this year. Uh, were there any new corporate governance requirements, models, or even issues brought up uh, in the uh, uh, new law? Yeah, so I think that you know one of the ways that the bill is actually trying to accomplish all these lofty goals that we've been talking about is by setting up new governance models and new governance structures. I mentioned when we were talking about innovation that they're creating these forums to get the right people in the room to talk about these important issues. And I think it it does that in a number of different places in terms of really, as one would say, like putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, every time they've identified a goal that they want to be uh, promoting or something they want to be improving with the bill, they've put resources against it uh, by mandating the additional hiring of specialized personnel, for example, but also by creating these new structures and forums to convene different groups and stakeholders. Um, I know Chip is going to talk about that a little bit more in terms of how that's being built, how that's being constructed, and how that'll be different from what we've had before um, in, I think, your next conversation. Well, Gail, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. And unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on the uh, topics and issues you brought up in this podcast, where can they go? Well, thank you first so much for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. And in terms of finding more information, um, I know that Chip has mentioned Dolphin, our dedicated online financial integrity network, which is a great place to go for information. But um, otherwise, you can always find us at k2integrity.com or follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Well, Gail, uh, thank you again. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. 
Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Integrity Matters, exploring the National Defense Authorization Act. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. Please check out the great resources provided by K2 Integrity, which are listed on the show notes, their website, and the new Dolphin site. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, sponsored by K2 Integrity.